everyone. Welcome to the Copy Blogger Podcast. My name is Tim Stoddard. Thank you so much for joining me. I am here as always with my co-host, Ethan Brooks. Hi, Ethan. How are you? What's going on, Mr. Stoddard? Well, <laughs> we have an interesting episode today. Two things are vastly different about today's episode. One is that my wife and the two kiddos are in Boston visiting my wife's brand new baby niece. Her twin brother just had a baby. So congratulations, Justin and Kelly. Welcome to the world, Violet. It's all very exciting. But what that does is it gives us a little bit more freedom than usual because the producer, aka Julian, aka my son, isn't going to be barging through the door at exactly <laughs> 2.40 mountain time like he does every other Friday when he wakes up from his nap. So that's cool. And with that newfound freedom, we are doing a fun experiment today. I think this is going to be pretty cool. There is always the realistic possibility that this isn't going to work. And so I'm excited to see what the reaction to this episode is going to be. But here's what we're doing. We are going to live play the Google uh, announcement of some of their product updates and more specifically their generative AI update on how BARD is um, integrating into Google search. We have not seen this video yet. Uh, we have also, in the video, there's some updates about Pixel and about their phone and some hardware updates that they're doing. We're skipping all that. We're going straight to Google search because that's more applicable for us as writers and content marketers. Um, and then we're gonna react to it live on the pod and live on YouTube. I'm pumped about this, Ethan. How are you feeling about it? I'm a little nervous, I gotta admit. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is something that we've obviously talked about a couple of times here on the show so far. It's an area where we have a lot more questions and answers so far. And to my knowledge, this is the first time that Google's really done anything publicly to answer the question of like, how is AI going to affect search? And potentially, what does that mean for publishers and content marketers and stuff like that? So I'm excited to dig in. I have, like you said, no idea what is actually in this. Um, I will say, though, I've seen some other people tweeting about how... Uh, Google's going to die, you know, just with these new AI integrations and their ability to like answer questions. And I, I gotta be honest, man, I've been underwhelmed by what I've seen so far. I don't think Google's going anywhere. So I think this video is like even more prescient and important than I might've thought a couple of days ago, because from what I've seen, <laughs> I hope I don't live to regret saying this, but from what I've seen so far, even the most interesting AI tools that are answering questions for you still leave something to be desired. I don't think search is going anywhere. Um, and so we're going to take a look at exactly what Google thinks is going to happen to search. And I'm stoked for that. Oh, well, let's do it. Let's dive right in. Pull it up. All right. For those wondering, Everything the else. link to the video is going to be in the show notes of the episode on copybloggerpod.com. So you can watch this video yourself. Like we said, this is a uh, edited version of, I believe the entire conference announcement, I guess you would call it, was about 45 minutes or so. Um, there's about nine minutes of material here. So we'll get through what we get through um, and we'll have the link to the video in the show notes. And uh, yeah, man, hit play. Let's see what we got. To give you a sense of how we are bringing generative AI in search, I'm gonna invite 
Kathy onto the stage. Kathy? Hey, Kathy. Is this in Palo Alto? Is that how you say it? I'm actually not sure where it is. It's a outside. Huge, yeah, huge, you know, venue, like a huge outdoor tent. Thanks, Sunda. You know, I've been working in search for many years. And what inspires me so much is how it continues to be an unsolved problem. And that's why I'm just so excited by the potential of bringing generative AI into search. Let's give it a whirl. So Can you maximize the video the so it takes up? What's better for a family with kids under three and a dog, Bryce Canyon or Arches? I'm going to pause it for a second there because we were talking, but this, this was the first thing that caught my eye too. So for people listening, and by the way, we're going to, we're going to keep doing the like play by play. So if you can't see the video, you're fine. You'll still understand everything that's going on. This woman just said, let's start with a query. And she, and she, there's a Google screen up and she basically just typed in what's better for a family with kids under three and a dog, Bryce Canyon or arches. And the first thing that caught my eye is like, she says this in a second. She says, it's like, you wouldn't normally ask this question this way. Do you think people are actually going to start using search like this? This is like a fundamental question because really what, when you ask this question, what you're really doing is you're outsourcing the opinion, like you're the, the opinion portion of search. And maybe I should let this play by like one more second because. Now, although this is the question that you have, you probably wouldn't ask it in this way today. You'd break it down into smaller ones, sift through the information, and then piece things together yourself. Now, search does the heavy lifting for you. What you see here looks pretty different, so let me first give you a quick tour. You'll notice a new integrated search results page, so you can okay, get hit pause. even more Three things I'm noticing. One, her shoes are sick. I love her <laughs> shoes. They're bright orange and she's got a dope black jumpsuit on. She looks super cool. The second thing I'm noticing is I think it's timely that even when they're giving the example of the search, they're using terrible grammar. And I think that speaks to how fast people search these days. Whereas, I mean, th there's... So the search query, what's better for a family with kids under three and a dog, comma? That's a question, by the way. And then Bryce Canyon or um, Arches, I think it is. We, we can't see the rest of the line. And again, there, there's, there's no question mark there. So that stuck out to me where I, I don't typically go to Google and ask really long form, long tail questions like this. I don't. And so I wonder if they're seeing some kind of signal in chat GPT where people are just spit firing the first thing that comes to the top of their mind without giving it any cohesive thought. And so after that, that, that was a little bit of a, a prelude. Here's what I'm really curious about. And you and I were texting about this for the last couple of days. How in the hell does Google make any money at all from this? So this is a, a, a presentation, obviously. So they're going to clean it up as best as they possibly can. But like, where do the ads go? Where, you know what I mean? Like, where, where's the ads? 
there's there's just no way that me as somebody that facilitates a pay-per-click service for clients that I'm going to get the same amount of clicks that I have been getting over the last 10 years. And by the way, cost per click has been going up and click volume has been going down. So it's like reverse correlating ineffectiveness. And I don't see any reason why this is going to make that better at all. Like how does Google make money? Because the, the AI search result is at the very, very top of the page. I keep forgetting that most people who just listen to this. When you ask the question, you hit enter the SERP results, the search engine results page, that's generally what we call the list of results that happens when you Google something. They're underneath probably the first three quarters of real estate. And the generative AI response takes up that first three quarters. So where do the ads go? And how do they make any money? Yeah. Yeah, I think actually both those questions are great. The first one that you asked uh, touches on something that I was kind of getting at too, you talked about, you know, how they're using grammar and the types of questions that they're asking and whether they're seeing signal in open uh, AI's research that people <clears throat> are starting to use these AI tools this way. But I don't know, man. I mean, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is an old fashioned thing. Uh, something feels very weird and unnatural about outsourcing the decision making of which of these options is actually better for you and your family. You know, yeah. like she says, and I don't know, maybe is it just me or are people actually doing this? So what's better for a family with three or with, with kids under three and a dog, Bryce Canyon or Arches? She makes a great point, which is that normally you would go and you would sift through a whole bunch of information and then you would make that decision yourself. And what they're essentially uh, hypothesizing here is that you'd actually be willing to just get AIs, like an AI generated opinion on that. That And the AI result seems to be uh, created from a handful of different sources. So she's probably going to talk about this in a second, and I'll, I'll let it play yeah. just a little bit more here. But um, for people who are only listening, you know, it's it's kind of the structure is kind of similar <clears throat> to what you've seen in Google recently, where you know they'll display some written answer. Is that that's called the SERP, right? Or no, that's not the SERP. What's the thing no, where the SERP like is any the, the SERP is this. whatever comes up when you hit enter, you're talking about the open graph. So, you know, sometimes Google just That's answers it. the question for you. You know, yep. if you go to Google and say, what time is it? You know, it'll just say the time at the very top. Um, yeah, that's so this, not an organic result. This is different though. Well, I'm going to say that this is similar in that, you know, instead of just listing all the different resources, there's now a text answer right at the top of the page that's trying to answer your question. And so it's it's similar to the open graph that people would have seen in the past, except what it seems to be doing is it, instead of just quoting a source directly, it seems to be taking several sources and then uh, like distilling their information into, into an answer. So I don't know. There's something more to dig in on there in a second because <clears throat> I have some, I guess, opinions about whether or not this will actually be used like this. It seems odd to me. But um, the other question about how how do they make money? I don't know, man. The only thing I can think of is like immediately below this, the first, say, three to five results become ads. But do you, I don't know. Do you think that they would give up their most? It seems like they're giving up their most valuable ad real estate for this new AI integration, which seems odd. 
it's not just the most viable ad real estate. It's the most profitable real estate in the history of the world. <laughs> like Apple is the most profitable company, but this is like, this is cash cow. Like, like probably like they'll never be again unless AI is owned by one or two huge companies, but it's, there's just never been a cash generating business that has existed quite like the Google bidding ad platform. And so I'm really curious to see where that's going to go. Um, Me too, man. Yeah, I man. mean, this, yeah. I'll, I'll play here in a, in a second real quick, but the, the only thing that comes to mind, and I really hope this isn't the way it goes, but the only thing that comes to mind for me that could even start to make up for that would be that like somehow ad bidding gets you priority inside of the AI generated result. And I don't know if they're going to go there. Let's, let's let it play some more and we'll see what, what she says. More out of a single search. There's an AI powered snapshot that quickly gives you the lay of the land on a topic. And so here you can see that while both parks are kid-friendly, only Bryce Canyon has more options for your furry friend. Then if you want to dig deeper, there are links included in the snapshot. You can also click to expand your view, and you'll see how the information is corroborated. So you can check out more details and really explore. You know what's kind of interesting about that? it almost seems like there's more visibility here than on a typical Google results page. Cause now what she's clicked through to is this thing where kind of every sentence of the AI generated result now cites which page it's pulling from in order to show you that information. So at arches, children may enjoy the rock formations. And some say that arches has more variety than Bryce Canyon. And then that's like one sentence, but it shows two different sources that helped to come up with that opinion. So that's kind of interesting too. It's almost like I had never thought of this as potentially bringing more information to the front page of Google than was previously there. Could be. There's a lot of publications right now that are already very nervous. They've been nervous for a while because what we talked about before with, with Open Graph, where Google basically answers your question for you. It's It's been a pretty contested debate in SEO circles, where if I'm the one writing a blog post, like why in the fuck does Google get to take my information and then just display it without clicking through to my website where they're pulling the information from anyway. And so it's been a really delicate dance with Google to make sure that they continue to make SEO worth it for publications while also keeping people on Google a little bit more. and. You know, I, I got to say, as um, unfair as it appears sometimes, I think they've done a pretty good job doing it, considering, you know, they still have to uh, appease their investors and, and, and all that stuff. Mm. I don't see how adding more friction, because what happened is they had the search and then you had the generative AI result. And then to the right, there was rich snippets, we call it. So a typical result is just a link with the meta description underneath it. And then a rich snippet is where, what we see here, where they pull one of the pictures and they give a little bit more detail. You know, sometimes a rich snippet would even have the author bio next to it. If that bio, if that picture of the author was really connected. 
um, and like linked through on the internet. So Google recognized like, oh, putting, you know, this person's face as a picture would add value to the snippet itself. But even with rich snippets, there was still, the, the friction was just scrolling down. Now the friction is a, in an additional click and it may not seem like a lot, but you know, people like us who have studied conversion and have studied sales knows that you want to reduce as much friction as possible. And so that one click is really, really going to have a negative effect on how much of this traffic goes to the next step where they go to the actual publication that is feeding the data to Google in the first place. So mm. I don't know how that's going to work, man, because how, why does Google have the right to take everybody's information and use it for their own? Like that, that'll definitely get held up in court somewhere. Yeah. You're making me think two other things that are really interesting about this too, which is like on the one hand, so what we're looking at, I've mentioned this a little bit before, but it's like, we're currently looking at this page where every sentence from the AI generated result is broken down with direct with these rich snippets that kind of link out to each uh, piece of content that's being used to generate that um, that sentence. To me, this looks like there's something very interesting happening here in terms of long tail keywords, right? Yeah. Because beforehand, I mean, it's almost like beforehand, in order to rank for a search, you pretty much had to understand exactly what the one thing the person was searching for was and then develop a whole piece of content around that. And now it's almost, it's different somehow where it's like, there's a general thing that somebody's trying to do, which is I want to bring my family on vacation and I've got kids and I've got dogs and I'm trying to figure out what my best options are. And now it's like, okay, well, if you've written something about dogs on vacation in these particular parks, like you're going to be part of the answer potentially. And if you've written something about like restaurants for kids, in these parks, you're going to be part of the answer. And it's like, it's almost like this changes the lens through which you understand search intent. And I'm not totally sure how yet, but it kind of feels like it's going to open up more keywords. Cause right now, you know, it, I, and I'm kind of an outsider to SEO still, but it's, it seems like a lot of the keywords are very heavily contested already, right? You've got a couple of people out there who have just been grinding on seo for years and they've got a pretty big head start on a lot of kind of the most popular keywords in the most popular industries this feels like it's going to change something there but i don't know enough about the industry to say what exactly it is um so that's one thing that you're making me think the other is just related to what you're talking about in terms of sharing your information with google and i do wonder a lot about how this is going to go not just for google but for all the ai platforms it almost feels like, you know, I don't, it would be a stretch to say people would like no index more pages um, and hide their information from Google. But I don't know what the, what the middle ground is because it does seem, yeah. it does seem a little bit unproductive uh, to just let all your information go to these AI generated search results. If it decreases the likelihood that, they're going to send traffic to you anyways. So sure. Mm. The richness of the topic. This new experience builds on Google's ranking and safety systems that we've been fine. Hate that word safety. Tuning for decades. 
And search will continue to be your jumping off point to what makes the web so special. It's diverse range of content from publishers to creators, businesses, and even people like you and me. Okay, can I just say something? This, this is just a, like a gut reaction. This feels like bullshit. And uh, maybe this is just like the, um, I don't know, like counterculture developer part of my brain that's going off. But this is, this is not really fostering a more diverse internet. And a lot of people are complaining yeah. about this right now. They're saying like Google's basically going unopposed in um, what is kind of the equivalent of like a, a, a what they call it? it's not it's not like a, a monopoly, but there's like there's not, not really yeah, there's not really competition out there if if they kind of own the real estate and the ability to create the answers for people. So I joked a little bit when I said I hate that term safety, but that is actually like I ever since COVID, man, anybody who claims they're trying to keep you safe. It's like, yeah. nope, I don't trust that person. And now, same thing for anyone who's like, oh, you know, we're going to make the web even more diverse by uh, controlling, you know, more of what you see. This feels like corporate bullshit, but let it keep talking. So you can check out recommendations from experts like the National Park Service and learn from authentic firsthand experiences like the Mom Trotter blog. Because even in a world where AI can provide insights, we know that people will always value the input of other people. And a thriving web is essential to that. Okay. So here's what she's saying when you break that down. She's saying, you know, we're going to, this actually isn't that revolutionary. She's saying we're going to continue to elevate voices that come from both trusted expertise and experience right that's part of their what's that uh acronym they use is it eat or yeah what's the... but e-e-a-t is yeah. is the new one yeah yeah exactly. that's expertise experience what's and what's the a already and, and trust yeah so okay so not super revolutionary right that's kind of what search has been built on for a while but what i still haven't quite heard yet is how are they filtering the people that are just spinning up enormous amounts of AI content because um, the reality, which maybe she'll touch on here in a minute, is this mom trotter blog or even uh, a trusted authority like the National Park Service, like it's possible to create that type of content now at a scale that's never been precedented before or a scale that's unprecedented. And uh, a lot of people are wondering, you know, what happens to human created content in a world where it's actually possible to create at scale. I don't know. These new generative AI, these new generative, thank you. She almost got the applause break and then these she new made generative a rookie AI mistake. Capabilities <laughs> will make search smarter and searching simpler. I will give her one thing. It's a huge crowd. <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge crowd. crowd. Yeah, be I'd be nervous. nervous for sure. And, <laughs> and as you see, this dope. is really especially helpful when you need to make sense of something complex with multiple angles to explore. You know, those times when even your question has questions. So for example, let's say you're searching for a good bike for a five mile commute with hills. This can be a big purchase. So you want to do your research. 
In the AI-powered snapshot, you'll Sorry, see pause for a sec. considerations. So now we're talking about something completely different, though, because I touched on this last time, where as media people, we forget that the vast majority of Google search is local businesses and products. We just, we just don't think about it. Well, I, I don't think about it that much. And I'm very curious as to how e-commerce sites, people that use Google Shop, you know, people that use the API into their Shopify stores to display their products straight through Google and straight through Amazon. How, how is that going to all be filtered out? So I'm interested to see how that works. Definitely. Yeah. And, and just to um, say what's on the screen too, she's going to talk about it in a second here, but it looks like when you're doing product search, this, the, the AI uh, recommendation is still part of the top of the screen, but in this case, it's actually giving tips about what to look for, which is kind of interesting. So it says like when choosing a bike, you should think about these different factors, design, <laughs> uh, motor and battery, which is hilarious that we live in an age where that's that is hilarious. <laughs> and then suspension. All right, let's let, <laughs> let her keep going. Like motor and battery for taking on those hills and suspension for a comfortable ride. Right below that, you'll see products that fit the bill, each with images, reviews, helpful descriptions, and current pricing. This is built on Google's Shopping Graph, the world's most comprehensive data set of constantly changing products, sellers, brands, reviews, and inventory out there with over 35 billion listings. In fact, there are 1.8 billion live updates to our shopping graph every hour. So you can shop with confidence in this new experience, knowing that you'll get fresh, relevant results. She hasn't said this, but next to each one of these products, there's like a description. Is she, do you think she's insinuating that this description is also AI generated or this comes straight from? Great question. Yeah, great question. And, and I think this, it's very subtle, but this really is, in my view, the question that hangs me up with AI the, the most. Because AI, de, like, we say AI, but that's not really what it is. It's a language model. It's not a thing that's thinking autonomously. It's a thing that is pulling a data set and then figuring out what comes next over and over and over again. And so in order to do that, it needs to pull data from somewhere. And I just, I don't wanna use really harsh language around it and make it seem like it has to be super confrontational, but this is, this is gonna be the friction point where who gets to decide what data Google and Microsoft and, and any of these platforms really can use because there's a difference between AI tools where you're essentially feeding your own data to the AI to have it do work for you. You know, we, we've been going back and forth with some of this, like you can make podcast descriptions and you can have it edit your own videos, but essentially it's your content and you're implicitly giving the AI permission to manipulate that data. Whereas this is different like is this still a product description that somebody had to manually insert into google shop does this get pulled directly from a shopify 
product. And if, if that's the case, then that's fine. But it doesn't look like that's what's happening. It looks like Google is coming up with a, a, a generative result that pulls this information from a bunch of different places. And if it is doing that, where and who and how and and also like no, right? Yeah. So um, it's gonna yeah. be wild. That's, that's the part that trips me up the most. First thing that comes to mind for me, and I agree with you, I just read these reviews. So, so for people listening, there's basically four bikes listed here and it has the normal information, the name, uh, like number of ratings, um, price, that kind of stuff, stuff that you wouldn't be surprised to see in a Google result. And then there's like a two sentence description and reading these, it definitely seems like this is formed using generative AI. So I'll give you one example. It says, uh, this six speed e-bike comes with an USB charging port and can be folded mm. to a small size reviews. Note that it's compact and lightweight for an electric bike. However, other reviewers mentioned that it's expensive and has a max speed of only 15.5 miles per hour. So two things jump out at me right out of the gate on that. The first is that I do not think retailers are going to stand for letting somebody else write copy about their products. There is a 0% chance that I would want somebody else writing my ad copy, especially for, um, especially using AI because it's, it's not excellent. Okay. So that's a big one. I think Google stands to piss off a lot of retailers potentially lose access to data over that. Um, the other big thing here, and this is going to be a matter of opinion, but I genuinely feel this way. It's not that impressive. It's ability yeah, it's to not. like, so like, and people will fight me on this, but here's what I'm saying. The information is just not that helpful. It's just not that helpful. So here, like uh six speed e-bike comes with a USB charger, can be folded to a small size. Okay. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's. How small, right? The fact that it comes with a USB charger, maybe that's interesting, but some people review it well, some people review it not great. So I still want to see the reviews, right? This, this, um, like AI generated prompt is not enough to actually help me make a decision. The, the most it's able to do is help me click to find out more information. And if you're going to do that, why not just use the company's description yeah. anyways? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of the same thing for all of these. And like this, it's doing the AI thing. I don't know. You never know when you're watching a product demo because a lot of times these are just, they're not actual product demos. They're like really well manufactured videos that the company puts together using, you know, like designers and stuff like that. So you're not actually seeing the tool being used here. The fourth bike um, is... The only description is it says reliable components, reduce maintenance, upright position, improves comfort and control. And I don't know what the hell that means as I, don't, I just don't know what that means. They're also all tagged like good for commuting, which I mean, it's a bike. They're all good for commuting, right? Aren't they? Um, so so. I, it's going to, it's obviously to get like a writer who's going to, bully ai and uh yeah. try to pretend like it's not doing anything useful but i genuinely feel this and i told you this when we were texting this we, i sent you i sent tim a thread the other day of a guy who got early access to uh what was it is it like open ai's web integration or something like that somehow yeah, it was it was chat gpt4's 
uh, open integration, which gives search results basically. Yeah. And his take was basically, you know, Google is going to be in big trouble with this. And he gave, I think, six or eight examples of the computer doing interesting things. And the first two examples were pretty good. They were like content searches and they gave like interesting, um, you know, answers to questions, cited sources, that kind of thing. But almost everything that came after that was just not helpful or impressive to me. And um, if we have time after this, we can dig deeper into that thread. But I told you this in the, in the, in the text. I was like, you know, like the first two yeah. were interesting. But after that, I feel like people kind of reach with this and they almost act like it's more helpful than it actually is because it's impressive. Yeah, it's trying to, to solve for a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And for commercial queries like this, we also know that ads can be especially helpful to connect people with useful information and help businesses get discovered online. They're here, clearly labeled, and we're exploring different ways to integrate them as we roll out new experiences in search. And now- so There's the ads. I wonder if what they're saying though, is that, you know, with the ads being front and center for a product search as opposed to a content search, I wonder if, content ads are just not profitable for Google. And they were like willing to sacrifice that real estate. Oh, they're profitable for Google. You think so? Like, like New York yeah. times or something like that. No, because that's not really how people. So almost all content ads go to splash pages, which within themselves have a KPI on them. So let's say I'm trying to sell a membership to something like New York times. Isn't going to send you to an article they're going to send you to a splash page that has nothing to that you don't do anything other than sign up with an email address for like a 30 day free trial. And then they're going to sell you on the email, on the email list. Like, so product ads and content ads are very different because content ads hardly ever like one click close through um, a transaction in the same way the product ads do. Because if you see this, you'll, if you're trying to shop for a bike, like you're really looking for a bike, there's just a different, I don't know, mental framework behind shopping for a product. Whereas if, if it's some kind of content ad, mm. um, it, it takes a couple of touches, but yeah, for sure. Like every SaaS product in the world is selling their stuff through that, but they're not doing it through Google shop. They're doing it through standardized pay-per-click and then collecting email addresses off of it. Yeah. I guess what I was getting at, I would, I, and I might categorize SaaS products a little bit differently than other, like the things that would come up in that first uh, national park search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My what I'm what I'm getting at though is like if you were to look at the pie graph of Google's ad revenue, how much of that comes from searches driven by a product search versus a content search, like an it's answer a good question. search? Yeah, yeah and a good I would. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Now that you've done some research, you might want to explore more. So right under the snapshot, you'll see the option to ask a follow-up question or select a suggested next step. 
Tapping any of these options will bring you into our brand new conversational mode. In this case, maybe you want to ask a follow-up about e-bikes. So you look for one in your favorite color, red. And without having to go back to square one, Google Search understands your full intent and in that you're looking specifically for e-bikes in red that would be good for a five-mile commute with hills. And even when you're in this conversational mode, it's an integrated experience. So you can simply scroll to see other search results. Now, maybe this e-bike seems to be a good fit for your commute. With just a click, you're able to see a variety of retailers that have it in stock, and some that offer free delivery or returns. You'll also see current You see how even in that click, so hit pause for a sec, basically what happened is as they're displaying the screen, you're having a conversation with the AI, and the AI understands what the generic intent is, meaning it remembers that you searched for e-bikes that could go five miles, and then you added in another parameter, which is red, so it can combine the two parameters. And so now we have a list of bikes that are all in red, but did you see what happened when she clicked on the bike? Um, what do you see? I see that you never left Google. So Ooh, okay. right, right now, Aventon Electric Bikes, Best Buy and Bicycle Warehouse are being sold directly through the Google interface. So, you know, now that I think about it, uh, I'm realizing it about halfway through, this is probably how Google Shop works now. Mm -hmm. um, because if, if you're APIing through Google's interface, then it's only natural for them to take a cut to sell it on their platform. Um, and so, you know, I'm about halfway through this point, realizing that it, it might not be a point worth making, mm -hmm. but I'm still interested to see what happens when it's something that is technically on a third party platform that Google is pulling the data from. I know I keep making that point, but that really is going to be the fulcrum of the, the tension that gets pulled between publishers and, and search results. There's the, the cynical side of me notices two other things. One is that the second result here is not red. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's a black bike. It's, it's uh, totally not red. It's gray. <laughs> um, and the second thing is that, I mean, I th and you're going to see a lot of this, I think, as this technology becomes more and more integrated, but it almost feels like using AI for this is uh, like using a, a sledgehammer to drive a thumbtack, because really what you're saying is like, I want to filter these by color, which is a parameter that stores can already filter by without AI. Um, so, you know, this is interesting, but it, it's kind of another example of exactly what I was saying earlier, which is like, yeah. we have this tendency to be over impressed by things that are kind of, you know, supposedly done using new technology without ever necessarily pausing and saying like, is that really a step forward in terms of our ability to make something easy or efficient? Or is it like <laughs> you just have a drop down for like color and yeah. then you just pick the color of the bike that you want, you know? Like, did I have trouble finding red bikes yesterday? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, I noticed that including deals and including deals. 
the deal that we're looking at, by the way, is uh, $10 off of a $1,700. <laughs> so thanks, Google. Seamlessly go to a merchant site, check out, and turn your attention to what really matters, getting ready to ride. These new generative AI capabilities also unlock a whole new category of experiences on search. It could help you create a clever name for your cycling club, craft the perfect social post to show off your new wheels, or even test your knowledge on bicycle hand signals. These are things you may never have thought to ask search for before. Wait a second. They, they just cycled through something real quick, and I wanted to pause yeah. on it. So it looks like a generative AI uh, quiz, three-question three quiz on California bike hand signals. That's kind of interesting. Mm. And uh, there's three questions. Each one has a three multiple choice, like three options that you can uh, click to select. And then there's a button that says grade the quiz or regenerate the quiz. That's kind of interesting. Not cool. that I think I think I think this is the only time that will ever be used, but but it is kind of interesting. <laughs> have thought to ask search for before. Shopping is just one example of where this can be helpful. Let's walk through another one in a live demo. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah, bunch of nerds. So getting hyped. I was just gonna say, like those were the lamest. <laughs> examples you can quiz yourself on the rules for hand signals <laughs> who's ready for quizzes <laughs> yeah oh my god or have google create a social post for you for what friends if you're quizzing yourself on hand signals you don't need a social post you need friends <laughs> you need to go outside special shout out to my three-year-old daughter who is obsessed with whales i wanted to teach her about whale cool. song so let me go to the Google app and ask, why do whales like to sing? And so here I see a snapshot that organizes the web results and gets me to key things I, I want to know so I can understand quickly that, oh, they, they sing for a lot of different reasons, like to communicate with other whales, but also to find food. And I can click see more to expand here as well. Now, if I was actually with my daughter and not on stage in front of thousands of people, I'd be checking out some of these web results right now. They look pretty good. Now, I'm thinking she'd get a kick out of seeing one up close. So let me ask, uh, can I see whales in California? And so the LLMs right now are working behind the scenes to generate my snapshot, distilling insights and perspectives from across the web. It looks like in Northern California, I can see humpbacks around this time of year. That's cool. I'll have. Okay. What do you think of this? Cause what we're really seeing, there's a part of this that I look at and I'm like, yeah, you know, I could see this being the way that people start interacting with Google. We're seeing somebody interact with Google without really clicking through to results. She's just kind of having this kind of back and forth conversation with her phone. And uh, what's neat about it is that it's in a linear format. So you kind of continue to scroll and type follow-up questions. And you basically, by the end of your search, rather than clicking back 
and cycling through a lot of searches, you have this one feed of information that you've gone through. And I got to say, that seems realistic based on the way people already interact with their phones. I agree. Yeah, totally. I think think this is the huge disruption Mm -hmm. because it is conversational. It, it totally is. It's it's conversational. It's back and forth. And I think this is going to feel, I don't know, what, what's a good example? I'm not going to be able to think of one right now. Well, you know well, what is Siri. a good example? It feels like Siri. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was just going to say. The example I used yesterday where everybody thought that voice was going to take over everything, but there's just this weird herky-jerkiness with the the back and forth with Alexa is the one that we thought we were going to use where really what happens is it's just so much easier to pull out Spotify, search for the song that you already know and hit play. I don't know why that has less friction on it. I couldn't really tell you what it is, but when I see this experience, this is definitely something that people are just going to easily ding, 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 like ping it really, really quick because it's such a natural linear progression of our thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some ways, this is almost the opposite of what I was saying earlier. I said uh, when she was searching on the computer and kind of broke down the results, I was saying it almost seems like it makes more real estate available for sources because now, you know, you could have each individual line contributed to by several different sources. Um, But in this view, we're looking at the cell phone and you basically have like the question box, the answer, and then one and a half results. So if it, Given how much search goes on on mobile, I'm going to say that this actually makes search much more competitive because you don't just search, oh, whale watching in California and then scroll 10 results on page one. You now have one, would you call that a rich snippet? And then like the corner of the next one that you can see. And I'm assuming you could scroll horizontally to see more, but if you want to get in front of somebody's eyes, it I, this definitely makes it a little bit harder. Have to plan mm. to take her on a trip soon. And again, I can see some really great results. <laughs> uh, for the people listening, she just countered my own argument because she scrolled a little bit further, and it's normal. <laughs> it's it's just normal Google results. Yeah, that. man. But hold on. So, like, let's think about it this way. What if she went to, I wish I could tell her to scroll up the phone, but what if she went to the AI and she said, give me the four best places in Northern California to go whale watching. And let's say there's four local businesses that all take you out on a boat to try to get humpbacks. Well, if the AI is using the LLM to pull and give you four different local businesses, well, which businesses are they going to choose and why? More importantly, which ones are they going to put first and why? Mm-hmm. And even more importantly than that, how are they going to give you the contact information for that local business and which ones are they going to give you and why? And that is really going to be the part that is could potentially keep Google a competitive free marketplace for people to try to express their ideas and be found. So I'm, I think that's like a potential positive where if they figure that one out, it's like, cool, you're still using AI to give me sort of the data that I'm, 
I'm, I'm looking for anyway to solve my problem. You're not just giving me a bunch of information that I don't actually need because what I need is a place to call. You know, I don't mm -hmm. need information about the four best places to see whale watching in Northern California. I need a place to call so I can go see some damn whales, you know? And so that's like the real search intent stuff that I think is going to get pretty, pretty cool and fun to see who wins. Yeah, I guess there's a, another side of this too, which is that like as people's AI assistants get better and better at understanding their preferences, maybe there's a world in which the importance of search and search intent goes down for companies because the AI just gets better and better at connecting customers directly with you based on its knowledge of what they want and like the type of experience they would really appreciate. That sounds kind of far-fetched, but um, I could see that also being the case. Like, you know, this is brand new. What happens when you say your phone, you know, really integrates not only everything that you've bought over the last say year and a half that you've owned it, but like what it knows from listening to all your conversations about what you bought, you know, like if it, if you have a device that really has this just unprecedented level of access to you and your preferences, um, maybe the importance of search goes away and they just start linking you up straight with the types of customers that right. or with the types of vendors that, that, you have a high likelihood of liking. I don't love that as an outcome, but um, you know. Results from across the web. It happening. And if I want to re refer to the results of my previous question, I can just scroll right up. Now, she's got a birthday coming up, so I can follow up with plush ones for kids under $40. Again, the LLMs are organizing this information for me, and this process will get faster over time. These seem like some great options. I think she'll really like the second one. She's into orcas as well. Phew, live demos are always a little nerve-wracking. I'm really glad that one went whale. Oh, no. <laughs> they should have ended the it. Nerds. <laughs> God damn it. She had to do it. She did so good up until that, <laughs> that nerd joke. Man. I appreciated it. Um, uh, I mean, she, at least she went for it. She didn't like half tell the joke. She told the joke, <laughs> which I respect. You know, there's a marketing team somewhere that was like, this is going to crush. And she was probably like, I am not doing this. <laughs> so that's what she should have said. She yeah. been, Fuck no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, that's the end of the video. Um, let me see if I can stop screen sharing here. Uh, what'd you think, man? I mean, overall, pretty interesting stuff. I think Google is very good at design. The interface of it felt supernatural. I knew exactly what they were displaying to me and why, and the placement of it all felt natural, both from the desktop and the mobile version. Um, man, what, what do I think? Um, I keep waiting for there to be some big moment where the hammer falls and everything that we've been building as content creators for the last 10 years is just no more. Right. And I've yet to see an actual 
realistic application of how that happens. So we talked about this last time where it's like AI is going to replace labor. I don't think it's going to replace thinking yet. Um, it, that, that's also what's crazy about this. It's only been a couple months for there to be like real world application of this and it, it goes so fast. But the other thing about it is you got to remember Google has had DeepMind for like 10 years and they've just been sleeping on it because they're the slow moving giant and they're thinking to themselves, why on earth am I going to mess up Google when like I literally don't have to do anything and make what, like a hundred billion dollars a year or something like that. And now all of a sudden they're getting ridiculed like, oh yeah, all these these up and coming entrepreneurs are going to take them out, but it doesn't seem like anybody has anything over them that they haven't been thinking of, at least in terms of this product demo. So yeah, I'm, I think the labor is going to get outsourced by AI, but I think creative work is actually only going to be more and more. Um, it, it's going to be a, nece a necessity. So Naval says this really good where he says, if everybody's a programmer and everybody can build robots to do the cooking and the, I don't know, like what are the plants for us? And even hospitals are outsourced by robots. Like then what is everybody going to do? And the answer is everybody is going to do creative work. And so I think that's actually kind of what's happening is there's more and more opportunity to do creative work and not less. I, bu <clears throat> I buy that. I buy that. I think um, there's also, and we've touched on this a couple of times, there's just, there's going to be use cases that people are planning for now that never end up actually being adopted, you yeah. know, and for whatever reason, like you said, with Alexa and voice, I mean, voice has been around for years and for years, people have been saying like, voice is the next big thing. Voice is how you're going to interact with your computer. And I don't know, maybe it will be because the tools just keep getting better and better, but maybe there's something that's inherently visual about us or inherently tactile. And it's just never going to be adopted the way yeah. some people think it's going to be. Uh, and there's plenty of technologies like that. I mean, history is full of examples of technology that is better, more efficient, more effective that never gets off the ground sure. because people are crazy. You know, people are weird. We're weird animals. We're weird. That I'll give you another really random example. Our landlord bought this fridge that has a screen on it. And he was so excited about it. And the whole point of this screen is to make it so that you can see inside the fridge from the outside. And it can even keep track of the food that you have and how much of it. And it can just prompt you to get more eggs. Mm -hmm. And I say it out loud and I'm like, oh, wow, that's so great. Like I run out of eggs all the time. I, I eat a ton of eggs. And when I run out of eggs, <laughs> like it ruins my day. You know, like my life is put on hold until I buy more eggs. And so how come I've never, ever once even ever thought about not opening the fridge to see how much food I got in there? So I know that's sort of like a, a weird analogy, but the point is people are freaking weird. Like, yeah, why do we do the things that we do? I have no idea. And we're definitely going to discover the weird things we do that as a species, it's not like one person is going to come up with this trend and be like, oh no, I decide we're doing it this way. There's like a universal thing in all of our brains that is going to universally decide that's just not a thing that we do. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be fun to see what it is. You know, I have no idea. Yeah. 
I think that Twitter thread that I mentioned earlier actually had some interesting examples of this because like I mentioned this up top, like some of the things were actually genuinely improved versions of what we have today. Like uh, I've got it pulled up here right now. So the very first tweet was, you know, finding the like the latest news and putting it into a table with linked sources. That's interesting. And I really got to say, I think there is something there that potentially poses disruption for things like newsletter companies, which that's basically the job of a lot of newsletters is to curate that kind of news. If you just have an AI assistant that is pulling the most interesting news for you, maybe that's different. Although, you know, the iPhones had Apple News built into it forever and and newsletters are still fine. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, but then there's things, or like here, number two is summarize a page and grab links. Genuinely helpful. I think that's pretty cool, especially the more and more you start to trust these language models to summarize things accurately and to get the important points, which... You know, they're not perfect at that yet. So that's like always a, a a point of like warning for people who are already using these things to replace Google. It's like, uh, pump the brakes. They're good, yeah. but they're, they'll get better. But then there's stuff in here that I'm just like, I don't think I would ever use this. And I, and I don't think people will ever use this because the yeah. whole purpose of this thing that you're trying to do is like fundamentally rooted in our interaction with other people. So the example here is like, Tell me the top trending posts on a particular subreddit. And so um, what this person is doing is literally using ChatGPT to build something that will tell him what the top trending posts are in subreddits every five minutes. And I'm like, I just don't. That's what that's what Reddit does. Like you just go to Reddit. That (laughs) is Reddit. You know, Uh, I just don't see that becoming the thing i don't see that becoming the replacement for how you interact with reddit i think you're just going to keep going to reddit so uh because because and this is kind of a weird way to put it but this is an example of actually getting less for your money than just using the old-fashioned way because at on reddit you can see the top trending posts and the replies and you can interact with everybody who's there which is the whole reason everybody's there in the first place whereas this just basically gives you a list of what's trending so you know there's different strokes for different folks or whatever but um a lot of this stuff is still just in the toy phase and i think it's going to be another couple of years before we really see it settle into something that's meaningfully disruptive for any of these industries like fundamentally changes the way we interact with things the way smartphones fundamentally changed the way we interacted with the world Uh, i think we're still probably a couple of years off from that but it is kind of cool to see these advancements and also to see a company like Google come out and start showing us what the new product looks like. I don't know. I, I told you this. I said, somehow this made me, when we were talking about the uh, Twitter thread, I said, somehow this actually made me worry about it less because yeah. you start me to too. see it's n- probably not going to change as much as we think it's going to change, you yeah. know? Okay. So, so last questions. Scale of one to 10, but what's your grade on not just the presentation? I thought, I thought she did pretty fine, but on, on what we saw, <laughs> what, what's, what, what's your grade? Is 10, is 10 massively disruptive and one is not going to be yeah. here in five years or what? Yeah, that, that's exactly. So that's, that's what we're trying to uh, I rate would, ourselves on. I would put this at a 
I don't know, a six. I don't think this is terribly disruptive. I see a lot of functionality that's very similar to what Google currently offers. Um, the mobile interaction is interesting to me that like linear conversation that you can have with the AI that seems, if there's anything in here, that's very interesting. It's that, but outside of that, I see, um, nothing that's terribly different than what Google already offers from a user perspective. I don't, I mean, I'm sure technically there's a ton that's changing behind the scenes, but what about you? The six is probably good. I'm I'm still hung up a little bit about the fact that they displayed a bike that wasn't a red bike. And, <laughs> you know, the more and more I think about it, the more I'm going like, wait a minute. I never had trouble finding a red bike before. And how is Google, who is giving a presentation in an outside Superdome with the biggest screen I've ever seen in my life and probably been preparing this presentation for four months, nobody ever said hey that bike's not red you know what i mean so that's that's like that's kind of making me double take a little bit um but yeah i think a six is pretty good it's it's almost exactly what i expected it to be yeah yeah i i was i was mostly glad that they just started showing what the design is going to be like you know um but yeah keep telling your stories people i don't think that's going anywhere well said bro Hell yeah. Keep telling your stories. Exactly. I love it. Cool, man. All right. Well, we'll do a live. <laughs> yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes too. Our inspiration Definitely. for today will be linked in the show notes. Definitely. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, we will talk to you next week and be sure to check out the Copy Blogger Pod website if you want to get on our newsletter or check out the show notes for the show or any of our past episodes. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to tell the good people? Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you next week. Later.